Welcome to Housing Developments. I'm Jerry Howard. And I'm Jim Tobin. I'm still basking in the success of the IBS uh, and uh, looking forward to next year's IBS, which for somebody who's been to as many as I am, to say that this soon uh, after getting home <laughs> is an unusual, unusual occurrence. Yeah, usually it's uh, it's at least a full week or two before uh, before we're, we're recovered. But yeah, I'm with you. You know, we've uh, we talked about it on our last podcast, how great the show was, uh, and, and still, uh, you know, getting a lot of compliments from, from a lot of people, uh, who, uh, who just had a great time. It was great to be with their, their friends and colleagues for the first time in a couple of years and, and really optimistic for, uh, for, for the 23 show. Um, yeah, so far so good. I can still use a couple, uh, couple cat naps here and there. Well, I hope you'll get one, uh, over this long weekend that's coming, but listen, let's get right to our show. Yeah. We have a, uh, a really interesting guest. Uh, we have David Tenney, uh, the Chief Executive Officer of the National Alliance of Forest Owners. Uh, under Dave's leadership and Dave's passion, NAFO has become uh, a leading national advocate uh, for federal policies that uh, ensure working forests. What a novel concept. Working forests provide clean air, clean water, wildlife habitat, and yes, jobs through sustainable practices and strong markets. Um, Dave has a huge history uh, in this area, having worked at uh, American Forest and uh, Paper Association uh, and as the uh, undersecretary uh, at the Department of Agriculture. Your, uh, Jim, uh, Dave's background here and his resume is absolutely perfect for the job he has. And Dave, welcome to the show. Thank you. Glad to be with you. Dave, can you please tell us exactly uh, what is NAFO and what, in, in your view, is a working forest? Sure. Uh, the National Alliance of Forest Owners uh, has been around since 2008. Uh, we have uh, 50 member companies who collectively uh, own and manage about 47 million acres of timberland across the country. Now, to put that in, into perspective, that's larger than the state of Washington. Uh, we also have 31 uh, association members who represent tens of billions of additional acres of private working forests. So as you put it, Jerry, in your introduction, we work together to drive a pretty simple narrative in federal policy, and that's that healthy markets provide clean air, clean water, wildlife habitat, good paying jobs. And our members are, are committed to sustainable practices. In fact, they have to commit uh, to independent third-party verification of their sustainable practices as a, a condition of membership. So you asked the question about what a working forest is. I think the simplest answer to that question is that a working forest is a forest that helps provide the wood and fiber that we need for lumber, to build homes, uh, for energy, for paper, for packaging, and any one of 5,000 or so products that you and I use every day. Dave, thanks. Uh, that's uh, we, we couldn't agree with you more, right? As, as you said, uh, your, the ability of your members to provide the, the, the fiber and then for the lumber that we need is, is critical. Um, I see that you know, NAFO started in 2008. That, of course, is a huge tipping point uh, for our industry and, and probably the wood products industry is the housing market uh, peaked and then, and then began its precipitous fall during the Great Recession. In, in your in your time doing this, whether it's working on the hill uh, prior or and now up to 20, 
2022, how how has the industry changed? What are the what what is what's happened over the intervening 20 or 30 years uh, to lead us to this point uh, where we are today, where uh, forests uh, are looked at both as a recreational opportunity, but but also they they, they we need them to sustain business, certainly home building in this country. What's, uh, what's happened? Well, I think uh, probably the most important thing to remember about our forests um, and the relationship that they have uh, to our homes um, and how that's played out over time is that they've always been connected. Um, I can't remember a time growing up in Idaho uh, when I didn't uh, look out the window and see forests. And uh, I was looking out the window of my home. And there was a connection there. There's a, a connection of, of being home in the, in the forest. Uh, in the sector over the last 30 years, I think what we've seen is uh, an even greater awareness growing of, about the value of our forests. Our forests have been uh, the source of an engine that has driven unprecedented prosperity in our country. If you just think about what's happened since the late 1950s, we've had an unprecedented expansion of economic and in, in many other ways in our country, but home building in particular in our country. And our forests have been the driver of that. And interestingly enough, when you think about um, that relationship, you might think, well, if you build too many homes, you may run out of forests. But what has happened over that time of that unprecedented expansion and growth and prosperity is that our forests have remained relatively constant in terms of our total acreage, but the volume of trees that we've been growing in our forests has increased by over 60%. So when we talk about healthy markets, providing clean air, clean water, and the wildlife habitat in our forests and all those good paying jobs, it's the markets that you are providing that help drive that. So the trees drive are the engine that drives home building, but the home building and, and other markets provide the resources that enable the trees to keep growing and thriving in our forests and providing all these public benefits that, that they provide. Um, I think that's just become even more pronounced over the years uh, that I've been at NAPO and certainly over the last 30 years as we've seen this relationship between markets and, and our forests and all the benefits that they provide. Uh, and I think that's a story that we can all tell pretty confidently. Dave, let me ask you a question. Is there a difference uh, between the volume of trees on privately owned forests and on publicly owned forests? I'll, I'll give you some data. Let me, let me give you some data. So let me answer your question this way um, with a few basic facts. If you look at our, our nation as a whole, about a third of our land base, maybe 765 million acres of our land in the United States is forested. Now that land base, that forested land base is divided between publicly owned forests like our national forest system and privately owned forests like the forests that are owned and managed by NAPO members. 60% of our total land base is privately owned forests. About 47% of our total land base, uh, uh, forested land base is privately owned working forests. Our privately owned working forests, they are managed to provide the goods and services that we all enjoy, including homes and including uh, consumer products and the air, water, and wildlife uh, habitat that we all need. 90% of our timber harvest in the United States is coming from these private working forests, 
is coming from those. And about 40% of that timber harvest is coming, uh, is, is used for home building and other uh, construction. But let's talk about this in terms of, of carbon, because carbon is a topic that's being discussed quite a bit today. And I want to talk about the, this 40% of our forested land base that's producing 90% of our, of our timber harvest. These same forests are producing almost three quarters of our annual carbon sequestration. And now if you compare that uh, to all the other types of forests out there, public and private, the ones that are managed for wood and fiber and the ones that are not, uh, three quarters of our carbon that's being pulled from the atmosphere is, is being pulled into these private working forests. And that's about 20 times more carbon that's sequestered in our national forests each year. So that tells us something about what's happening with the management of our private lands and how important they are uh, to removing carbon from the atmosphere, even compared to our, our public lands. Uh, now there's more to the story because even after you factor in things like timber harvest that will remove carbon from the forest or fire or other natural disturbances or using wood for energy or what have you, um, our private working forests are still our forests are still providing um, about 800 million metric tons of sequestration net each year. That's a lot of carbon. And so uh, I think the, the uh, answer to your question from a carbon standpoint is that our private working forests are probably the most important uh, carbon mitigation machine we have in our country right now. And they are connected directly to the markets that you're providing and they're part of the story that you're telling about the contributions that you're making through home building. They're directly connected to the contributions that our forests are making to the climate. That helps. Yeah, no, it, it definitely does. And I think what you're saying is that um, because uh, privately owned forests are viewed as a renewable resource and an asset, um, they are managed much more modernly and much more thoroughly. Uh, than national forests, which are left uh, to their own, uh, on their own, uh, end up having more trees growing than is a healthy number. Uh, those trees then aren't as healthy and are more subject to forest fires, beetle infestation, uh, and, and other types of problems. Well, I think that's, that's true. Uh, if you look at private working forests, we're not just providing the wood and the fiber we provide uh, filtration for 30% of the drinking water in our country. We provide 60% of the habitat needed for at-risk species. Uh, we're providing recreation on tens of millions of acres for, for people who like to get out, who like to enjoy the outdoors, who like to hike, who like to hunt, and who like to use uh, our forests for a variety of things that, that are good for their, their well-being. And in order for them to provide all these benefits, they have to be healthy. So healthy, sustainable forest management is one of the most important things that we provide, uh, not just for the markets, but for the future of our forests and the future of our country. It, it seems to me that you're painting a picture that really makes the people who run our national forests look like they're asleep at the switch. <laughs> well, if you think about where we're coming from, our members certify sustainability. 
they verify that sustainability through third-party audits every year. That's what they do. And why do they do that? They do that because it matters. It matters uh, to their license to operate. It matters to their culture. And uh, it matters to the long-term sustainability of their, of their asset, of their forests. And if you think about uh, what's happening out there uh, right now, these forests are not only sequestering a bunch of carbon, uh, they're not only providing a lot of uh, wildlife habitat and clean water, but they are doing this year over year, decade over decade. And they're doing it because we are managing our forests, because of the timber harvest. Let me give you a couple more statistics. We love data. Um, each year, private working forests uh, are harvested for wood and fiber. We harvest about 7.8 million acres of, of our timberlands each year. And you think that's a lot of acres. Um, that's about 2% of the land base. So 2% of the land base is providing 90% of the timber harvest that uh, is providing all the goods and services that we use every day, 2% of the land base. Well, how much do we replant each year? 2% of the land base. It's not the same acres, but every year we are planting, uh, replanting as many acres as we're harvesting. We have, um, we have the practice of always planting more than we harvest. That's just good stewardship. So. On an average year, we're growing 40% more wood than we're harvesting. And if you continue that over time, you can see uh, why our forests have continued to thrive. And that's why we have 60% more wood today in our forests than we had back in the 1950s. Now, Dave, you're, you're, you've done a great job of kind of knitting the, the aspect of, of home building and the industry and how it's important for us to thrive so that the, the forest products industry can survive and, and, and tying in climate change and, and carbon sequestration. Um, but I, I'd be remiss if I don't raise the, 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 the big issue for our members these days. It's the price of lumber. Um, and when I hear uh, that you're, you're cutting 2%, replanting 2% and, and growing the forest, I feel good about the, kind of the future of, of, uh, of, of the forest, certainly in private lands. And, and Jerry's actually highlighted the frustration we have with uh, the, the, either the management or the, or the cut on our federal timberlands. We'll put that aside for now. But, but tell us from your members' perspective, uh, why we're seeing these, these record lumber prices, what, what more can be done uh, to cut more timber to kind of you know, to get more product on the market so we can, we can, we can, we can see a reduction in prices? Uh, I'd never have a conversation with uh, a, a NAFO member, a member of my board uh, that doesn't have uh, some aspect of the marketplace associated with it, looking at the, uh, the market. And we rarely have a conversation about the market without talking about housing. Housing, the relationship between housing and private working forests has been uh, one of the most important relationships between two sectors in our country for a long time. And so I have never heard once a concern about scarcity. Um, I've heard more that we have uh, so much wood that we may have too much wood and not enough uh, markets to support those, to support the use of that uh, of those trees. However, there's housing, and housing is is strong and it's growing, and the demand is strong. Um, there's no question that we have supply chain challenges in our country right now. Uh, we have uh, we have an expansion of milling operations that are going on in our country right now, but that is being hampered by supply chain, 
and we anticipate that that capacity is going to continue to come online and all of that is good news. All of that means uh, that means that the future market is going to be even more robust and that's good for everybody. But there's no question that COVID, supply chain, labor, trucking, you name it, is, uh, is, is a challenge right now. And it's a challenge that we're all going to have to get through. And I hear that too. Um, that, that's a challenge for all of us. You see any any relief on the horizon? You mentioned capacity increasing, but we we Jerry and I have had, had many guests on on, the, on housing developments that talk about uh, it, the capacity is being built, uh, but it takes it takes a long time for that to kind of come online. With the short term pressures right now, uh, obviously you mentioned trucking. What what else are the headwinds that your members are you hearing from your members that they're facing in in, in the short term to get more product uh, onto job sites? Well, I think that um, mostly I hear optimism. I hear optimism from our members. Uh, I hear uh, optimism in the outlook for our forests and the outlook for the markets. And yeah, we have some short-term challenges, but I hear optimism that we're gonna get through these. Uh, headwinds, uh, we're actually feeling tailwinds right now in terms of the long-term outlook. Now, I have to take a step back and, and point out that when we're in the forestry business, we're talking about um, uh, investment horizons and, and, and uh, operational horizons that are pretty long. So you plant a tree today, you might not harvest that tree for 30 or 40 or 50 or plus years. And so we're looking at that long-term and the long-term fundamentals are really good. And so we feel optimistic about that, even if there are some short-term glitches. Um, I think our, our friends in the, in the wood products uh, uh, sector are going to have better answers about the challenges that they're facing, but our members are feeling pretty optimistic about the long term. Yeah, I would. I think. I think we do too. I think the market fundamentals, uh, even though we're, you know, even though these, the supply chain is is really hurting, lumber prices are adding nineteen thousand dollars to the cost of a house. We're in, we're in a rising interest rate environment. Um, while those are you know, potentially short term uh, issues, I also. I uh, think that the health of the housing market, the demographics leading to more home building, uh, the need for new homes is is something uh, that we see down the road. And, and, and we're hopeful that, that the, the, the lumber companies and the, and the forest product industry are watching that, those demographics as well, to make those investments, to make sure that we have this kind of long tail on this. Uh, we can, you know, we, I think our frustration is prices go up and then they, 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 they fall back down over the summer. Now, now they're, they're creeping their way back. It's this whipsawing back and forth. Uh, between uh, between the highs and lows, where you know, our members in particular, they can't price a project. They don't know how much lumber is going to cost from week to week. They're watching futures prices tick up, uh, you know, every day. It's just, I'm sure it's a, it's just a frustrating time for for, for everybody. Well, uh, we'll get through it. You know, we'll we'll get through it. And and um, like I said, our members are optimistic for the future, even if we have uh, temporary challenges. And we know what those are. Um, part of the optimism that we have going forward is what we've experienced in the past. And if you take a step back and look at what's happened over the, I'll, I'll go back to what's happened over the last 70 years. Unprecedented expansion, um, more forests than we've ever had, more trees by volume than we've ever had, uh, a carbon story that's unmatched anywhere, um, a mitigation story that uh, that is unparalleled. 
we have uh, a better story to tell and better outcomes for air and water and wildlife than we've ever had. And if we knit all that together from uh, a seedling all the way to the finished home, that's a great story. If you think about how that all fits together, um, we are managing one of the most extraordinary renewable resources known to mankind to produce one of the most fundamental important parts of the American story. Those are all connected. And I think that uh, our outlook for the future is because those are all connected, the fundamentals that have brought us to this point are gonna continue going forward. And we'll get through the rough patches, but the outlook for the future is, is really bright for the forests and for uh, the home builders and homeowners. Well, Dave, from, um, as they say, from your lips to God's ears, uh, I, I hope that uh, we can work more closely together, NAFO and NEHB, because I think there's a, a public affairs story to be told uh, that is a huge part of the battle with policymakers in the current environment. Uh, and I want to thank you for taking the time to be our guest on Housing Developments. Glad to be with you, and uh, let's keep it going because we have a lot of work to do, and and um, I'm confident in the future. That's David Tenney, ladies and gentlemen, uh, the CEO of the National Alliance of Forest Owners. But David has a, uh, a very unique uh, position in this debate we're in, Jim, uh, representing uh, the people who own the forests. Uh, he's, he makes a case for those guys that I really hadn't heard before. Yeah, I mean, it just it just goes, Jerry. You mentioned it uh, kind of in the, in the last part about uh, there with this administration in particular, uh, and this Congress in particular, with climate change being a focus, that that housing uh, and the continuation of using wood uh, as our main building material, there there's a case to be made that we're we're doing the environment right uh, by uh, capturing carbon at the tree level and then sequestering it in, in our homes. So uh, that's something we need to explore further. Uh, but but. A, there's a good story to be told between tree to home uh, that this is we're an important part of the economy, an important part of uh, of the climate change debate going forward. I completely agree, and uh, something I hope that we can uh, pick up on in in all of our advocacy uh, strategies going forward. As always, uh, Jim, we've got to give thanks to to those who are responsible for us being here, right? That's right, Jerry. We've got to give thanks to our our good friends at, at Wells Fargo Home Mortgage. Uh, continuing to be a, uh, a sponsor of housing developments and uh, and a great partner, uh, not only for us here at NHB, but but a great partner to many of our members out there. And uh, we always always happy to have them on board. And I hope that all of our listeners will consider using Wells Fargo Home Mortgage as part of your financing packages. Well, Jim, it was good being with you again. I look forward to uh, our next broadcast of housing developments. But until then, ladies and gentlemen, thank you for listening. Stay safe, uh, and we'll talk to you again soon. Bye.